Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Genesis 2, you might recall these familiar words where we're told the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The reason we are here this evening is because God has breathed life into us. We owe our life to him. But if we are Christians, then we don't just have physical life, but we have spiritual life. The Holy Spirit has breathed new life into us. We are a new creation. The Hebrew word for breath, you may know, is the same as the word for spirit. Which is why the reference in 2 Timothy 3 about um, the, the scriptures says, in some translations, inspired by God, and others it's God-breathed. Well, we've come to the end of our series uh, in the Psalms of Joyful Praise. Uh, last week we looked at um, the first of the five so-called Hallelujah Psalms, at the end of the book of Psalms. And this evening we're looking at the last one, the very last one in the book. And it's like there's been a crescendo of praise building up to this explosion. In just six verses, there are 13 references to praise. It's like the psalmist uh, can't catch his breath, so determined is he to get out the need to praise God. It's like a child who's so excited about what they've done, they can't get out the words quickly enough. And the final exhortation in verse 6 is that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Last week when we looked at Psalm 146, the psalmist wrote, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Or you could say, as long as I have breath, as long as I'm alive, I will praise the Lord. You may know that as pastors, uh, we give uh, each other feedback on our sermons each week. And the feedback I got last week was that um, it was meant to be a psalm of praise. And it felt a little bit like uh, a lament. Um, Because um, having looked up at God and all that he does for us, in terms of lifting us up when we're bowed down, giving us sight, setting us free, how he fulfilled that in Jesus Christ, I didn't get on, went on to challenge us as to how we can be more like Jesus in terms of looking after the needy. And of course that made us feel quite depressed that we still fall so far short. Of course I should have emphasized that we are saved by God's grace. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more than he already does. That he's promised he will complete the work that he has started in us. And in terms of progress, when we look back to where we were before we became a Christian, to how we lived our lives then, and as we look at where we are now, that's all that changes all down to God's grace. So let's praise 
him for that. Well, I hope this evening will be a, a, a real service of praise. And we're going to have the opportunity after this, uh, this sermon to express our praise in different ways as we praise him in our prayers and in our songs. There's four um, sort of questions I want to look at, look at this evening from this psalm. Where should we praise God? What should we praise God for? How should we praise God? And why should we praise God? Well, the first thing it says in verse 1 is, Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. God's sanctuary or holy place on earth at the time the psalm would have been sung would have been the temple, a place where his people gathered to, to praise him. But when Jesus came to the earth, he said to a Samaritan woman, he said, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. So they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. After Jesus came, the worship of God was no longer to be focused on a place, but on a person. Jesus became the temple. And when he gave up his body, the, ter- the, the curtain in the physical temple was torn apart, symbolizing that God's people now had direct access to him through Jesus. And so we don't need a holy place to go to worship him. We can do that from anywhere. It's the fact that we offered our praise through Jesus that makes it acceptable to God. But the reference to praising God in his sanctuary doesn't just refer to, to where we praise God, but it tells us also about the God we praise. His sanctuary refers to his holiness. We praise him that he is set apart from his creatures. He's different from us. He, he is perfect. There's none like him. The writer of Hebrews in the, the New Testament exhorts his readers to, to worship with reverence and godly fear. Such is the holiness of God. And when we contemplate God's holiness as perfection, again, it's tempting to look at ourselves and think, well, I'm just rubbish, aren't I? And at one level, that, that's right. You know, we do need to acknowledge that in order to, to see our need for salvation, we have to recognize that we are unworthy. But having come to Christ and received his forgiveness, the good news is we are made clean and God sees us as holy. And so even though he's not yet completed his work in us, he accepts our praise because of Jesus. That should fill us with humility and wonder and joy that God should love us so much that he should choose to make us holy. And just as God's people on earth praise him, so there is also praise going on in his mighty heavens. The heavenly hosts are worshipping God. And we're given a sense of what that will be like when we go to be with the Lord in Revelation 5, where it says this, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The reference to the sanctuary refers to God's holiness, then the reference to the mighty heavens 
refers to his power. He is a God who reigns, and one day every knee will bow before him. So when things on this earth feel like they are out of control, and worry and anxiety begin to creep in, where there is injustice, where we are under attack by the devil, then let's remember that God reigns. He is mighty. Nothing can change that. What do we praise God for? We'll have a look at the next verse. It says, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. What are these acts of power that we should praise God for? Well, we see those acts of power in our physical lives and in our spiritual lives. Let's start with the physical. What are the physical things that we should praise God for? Well, let's start with the fact that God gave us life in the first place. He made us in his image. He made us capable of, of knowing, loving, serving, enjoying him and others. So let's thank him every day for the life and the health that we have, for the, the food that sustains us. Let's thank him for all those we know and love, those relationships we enjoy. Let's praise God for the simple pleasures of life, those we often take for granted, for waking and sleeping, for work and leisure, for a home and a and a garden for plants, trees and flowers, for earth, sky and sea, for sunshine, clouds and rain, for birds, fish and animals, for books, for films, for music. There's so much to thank God for. But what about our spiritual lives? Well, the greatest act of power that we've experienced in our lives is our salvation. And that is only possible through a, a miracle, through an act of power. Maybe more dramatic in some people than others, but any conversion is still a miracle. Part of what it means to be saved is to be adopted into to God's family, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the promise of eternal life. I wonder how often do we praise God for these blessings more fully and just spell out what they mean to us. If you think of those wonderful occasions when somebody's baptised, we, we open up that baptistry, they go through the waters, and we encourage them before that just to share what has God done in their life. And so, when we pray for them as well, we, we thank God for the people that God has put, us, put them into their life to tell them about Jesus, to help them understand the gospel. We thank God that because of Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf, they have been forgiven and reconciled to him. We thank God for the change that's taken place in their lives as they've repented of the things that they once put their trust in. They've now turned to Jesus and want to be baptised. We thank God for the Spirit who's come into their lives and who will now guide them and teach them and make them more like Jesus. And we thank God for the assurance of an eternity with him. But I wonder how often do we pray that prayer of thankfulness to God for what he's done in our lives? Or do we think, well, I came to faith many years ago now. I don't need to keep thanking God for that. He knows that I thank him for that. He wants us to be eternally thankful for what he's done in our lives. And it's also good to thank God for our ongoing growth as a Christian. 
It's good to look back and thank God for the way he's used events in our life to, to help us grow in our faith in him. Even if those events may have been tough ones. Struggles. It's good to thank God for the way his spirit has helped us to grow in the fruits of the spirit. Where we've become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. It's good to thank him for the people he's enabled us to to serve, those uh, he's enabled us to share the gospel with, those he's enabled us to support and, and encourage. It's good to thank him for our church for our elders, for our ministry leaders, our our home group leaders, our fellow members who are still all using their respective gifts to help the body of Christ grow. For the resources he uses, he gives us to to use for the growth and, and development of the church in this place and in this country and in our world. Well, if those are some of the great acts of power that we, we thank God for, what about his surpassing greatness that it says here? Well, this is about praising God for who he is, his character, the attributes that should make him want to do his amazing acts of power. What is the causes him to do that? There are two helpful areas that we can focus on that, praising God for his being and praising God for those attributes. In terms of his being, we can praise him that he's self-existent. He depends on nothing for his being. All things are dependent on him. Just get your head around that for a moment. The fact that he's infinite. He's without beginning or end. He always has been. He always will be. He is triune. He is Father, Son and Spirit in one. He's creator. He created everything out of nothing. He sustained. He doesn't just create the world and let it go, like winding up a clock and letting it run. He, he actively intervenes in the events of this world. He is holy. He's distinct from the people he has created. He's unchangeable. He is perfect. And therefore, he doesn't need to change. Which is why we can trust everything that he says and does. What about his attributes? He's just. He's merciful. He's wise. He's gracious. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's majestic. We could go on and on. So if we're called to praise God for his acts of power, his surpassing greatness, well, how do we do that? Well, it carries on about how we do it with music. The Bible contains loads of uh, examples of spontaneous outbursts of praise which come from the basic joy which is in the heart of the believer. Psalm 28 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. And that's where the music comes in because it's more than just a declaration of what we believe. It's an expression from our hearts that involves all our emotions and music is the language of the heart. Look at the importance of music in this psalm. We read these verses. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre 
Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. I think there's purpose in mentioning all these different instruments. We have different types of instruments. We have wind, we have string, we have percussion. Each of them is performing its particular part in the whole. The loud sound of the trumpet may be like a call to worship. It's also a victory sound. When Jesus comes again, we're told he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. In the middle, we have the strings, the harp and lyre. A sweet sound to be enjoyed. It's to be accompanied by dancing, which is another physical expression of praise that involves the whole body. And at the end, we have this crescendo of symbols with a signal to the congregation to respond with a final hallelujah, praise the Lord. So music is an important part of our worship when we come together. We can't all play instruments, but we can all sing from the heart. Well, finally, why, why should we praise God? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Verse 6 sums it up. We are made with the purpose of praising and glorifying God, our Creator. The sad thing is, of course, that not everyone chooses to do that. When Paul describes sin in Romans 1, he wrote, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. God is glorious. He he is great. And we can either acknowledge that and praise him as God, or we can choose to reject him. Why is it such a big thing to not give thanks to God? Well, because it says that I'm self-sufficient. Everything I have either came to me by chance or, or I earned it myself. I don't need anybody, let alone God, to ensure I keep hold of it. I'm very able to look after myself and protect myself from danger. Isaiah 43, God says that he has formed for himself his people that they may proclaim my praise. In Ephesians 1, we're told that God has predestined his people, the church, to the praise of his glorious grace. And in Revelation 5, continuing in John's vision of heaven that we mentioned earlier, he writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. If we belong to his people, then we should be known as a people of praise. And that praise should not be a, a duty but a delight. If we're not praising God, Tim Keller writes, um, it robs us of the joy and relief that constant gratitude to an all-powerful God brings. Because praise is not just for God's benefit, it's also for ours. As C.S. Lewis realised that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. And it's our praise of something or someone that completes our enjoyment. 
He wrote this. He wrote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. What do you do when you discover something amazing? You say to somebody else, come and see. Come and have a look at this. Starts as a young child. Daddy, come and see. Carries on as adults. What's the reason that Facebook has become so so incredibly popular? Because people want to share their experiences. So it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or all the others. Look at this video. Look at this uh, photo. Look at this this website. It's not just enough to have the experience. You want to share it. That's why we recommend to others books we've read, films we've watched, restaurants we've we've eaten in, places we've visited. And when we meet someone who's had that same experience, then there's automatically that bond between us, isn't there? Remember what the woman said, that Samaritan woman I mentioned earlier, the well, when she'd met Jesus, she said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Praising God is moving beyond an individual expression of God to wanting to share that joy with others. And so that final exhortation there, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Is that the psalmist wanting everyone to share the same amazing experience that he's had? As we finish before we come and just express our praise to God, this is not an exercise we do, but it's an expression of what's in our hearts. The more we fill our hearts and minds with the knowledge of God, the love for God, the more we will want to praise him. And the more we praise God for what he's done and for who he is, the more real he becomes to us. The more we grow in our relationship with him. The more our lives will be characterised by, by joy and the more we will live for his glory.